What up, everybody? I am excited. Welcome to 2, 5, and 10, episode 28. We are getting right into the playoffs today. My favorite time of the year. Ma- making that uh, the bread and butter. Is that what they call it? Yeah, where you make the bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Benny, what up? Playoff hockey is the best time of the year in any sport. Uh, even non-hockey fans love uh, this time of year, so I'm ready to go. I'm finally able, after pretty much 11 of the last 12 springs, to be able to watch the playoffs without being in a panic mood. So it's going to be even more exciting for somebody like me. And, I mean, just out of curiosity, are you picking a team to roll with and growing the beard out, or is that like a secret? You're just putting that in your playoff bracket or what? Uh, I am not growing a beard out for – I mean, I already have a beard full-time, but I'm not letting it grow out except – unless for the Rangers. So nobody's getting that honor this year. Uh, as far as picking a specific team, uh, I mean, San Jose out here, you know, they've been good. I'm, See if uh, Jumbo Joe can get a cup before he retires. Rooting for Carolina just because of that team is very likable. Uh, no, not really rooting against or for one specific team all the way, but have a couple of storylines that I'm interested in. I like it. Well, sticking with you and your Rangers, uh, I'll let you fire it up about the Glenn, Glenn Sather retirement. I know he's been there forever. I know you feel two ways on him at, you know, He's kind of like the mascot. He's been there forever. He's done a lot of good things, but at the same time, if you look at it a different way, you could say he's done a lot of bad things. What do you think? Yeah, so my feelings on Sather are broken up into pretty much his career with the Rangers is broken up into two different aspects, pre-salary cap and post-salary cap. Pre-salary cap Sather was a fucking mess. Uh, I mean, it wasn't for a lack of trying they gave him the nickname the last line of winter for a reason because if the Rangers needed a fourth-line center, he would get Eric Lindros for the fourth-line center role. It never worked out, but you can't blame the guy for trying. Uh, not much success in his first go. He was brought on in the summer of 2000. Uh, 2001 was his first full year with the Rangers. Uh, locked into Lundquist late in the draft in his first draft year. Uh, but like I said, not much success team-wise and organization-wise. Uh, his first go-around before the salary cap was instituted. Post-salary cap up until he stepped up into the president's role in 2016. A uh, lot more success. Uh, brought in Tortorella, brought in Elaine Vigneault. Obviously, Lundqvist being a franchise guy, but being able to draft well uh, after the huge adjustment and Dylan McElroy after disasters. Uh, definitely turn that around for the Rangers. Uh, the one thing I'm going to miss in terms of Sailor is, even though he's gotten a, extremely mellow over the le- length of his career in New York, is his name recognition went a long way with James Dolan, the uh, moronic owner of the Rangers and Islanders, uh, because he trusted trusted Sailor so much that he basically left it left the Rangers alone, like. Okay, how much money do you need? Great, here it is. I'm not even going to bother because I trust Glenn Sather. Uh, as you can see with the Knicks, when he doesn't trust whoever's running the show, he likes to meddle and you see how much of a clusterfuck the Knicks are as an organization. Uh, so that's my one uh, biggest takeaway from Sather and my one biggest fear from him leaving is who his replacement will be and if they're going to be able to have that same autonomy over the Rangers' operations with Dolan as Sather had in two if this new president comes in and he has no ties to Gorton at GM, David Quinn is the head coach, doesn't like the way the rebuild has been going for the last year and a half, is, 
is he going to start from scratch? And that's one of my biggest fears, especially with Lundqvist at 37. With that being said, I mean, do you think there's anybody that is free and clear of this rebuild, whoever comes in that is untouchable? Uh, so there's been two big names connected to the opening so far. One is J.D., John Davidson, uh, obviously has natural ties to the organization and I think has that name recognition to have that same autonomy like I talked about. And since he's been around the organization, even though he's been with St. Louis and Columbus, you know, his connection to the Stanley Cup team in 94 uh, and being a former player, he's spent a lot of time around the guys in a room that have been on a team. So if a guy like J.D. is brought in, I don't think there's going to be much upheaval in terms of the GM, head coach, uh, Lundqvist, things like that. But the other name that's been mentioned that I thought was a long shot, but apparently he's interested in speaking with the Rangers about the role of Steve Eisman. And... If Eisman comes in, all bets are off. I could see him keeping the status quo. I could see him bringing in his own guys. I could see him going to Lundqvist and saying, listen, we're fully rebuilding. It's time for you to move on in terms of your salary uh, and the cap space. So that's the biggest wallet card if uh, Stevie Wise brought in. Even though I still think it's kind of a long shot, I'm, I'm surprised he was interested at all. Strictly hypothetical, if he does get the job, Seeing what he did in Tampa, I mean, are you 100% on board with, hey, I mean, if he can build the Tampa here, then, yeah, any, anybody's on the board? Yeah, I, that in the long run, totally on board if he can bring that magic from uh, Florida to New York. My only, I guess, like, as a fan, strictly, the only, ah, shit, type of mentality is we just sucked for the last two years because we were following this one rebuilding plan that they've had in place as upper management. So if Eisman comes in and wants to build from scratch again and basically start from year one, that adds those two years were wasted years. And it even further pushes back the Rangers' uh, ascension into being a contender again down the road. So that's my only hesitation with it. Uh, but if he's able to come, if they bring in Eisman and in three to five years, it's basically Tampa and New York, I'm perfectly okay with that. Fair enough. Anything else on Sailor's Goodbye? Uh, you know, growing up at Sather as a GM, and he even coached for a little bit after he fired one of his, like, seven head coaches that he hired himself, it was always exciting as a fan, especially when I was younger. You know, Bore comes in, Lindros comes in, he brings back Messier, uh, Bobby Holy, Kasparitis, all these guys. So it was never a dull moment. I kind of wish uh, – he wasn't as limited in the salary cap, but I guess that was a blessing in disguise because once that came along, the Rangers started turning things around. But uh, I was going to give props to the dude and help build the Oilers uh, dynasty. So uh, it's one of the last faces of hockey, you know, from the last generation. So Goodbye to the uh, unsmoked cigar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, going on into one other tidbit that just kind of got hot over the weekend. There are a whole bunch of NHL coaching jobs available now. Phil Housley gas, Bog Bugner gas, but already replaced by Coach Q. Um, there's still a whole bunch of interim tags out there. I think we can both agree that Baruby in St. Louis is probably going to get that job. But outside of that, Anaheim empty. Uh, Edmonton informed the media today that Ken Hitchcock will not be back next year. The Los Angeles Kings, 
Ottawa Senators, and Philadelphia Flyers. Youch. Like, that's a lot of people going after jobs. Yeah, out of all... Now, Florida's been filled already with Quenville, which was probably the worst-kept secret in hockey since he was fired in Chicago. Uh, I mean, great move for the Panthers organization, and I think with the talent they already have, plus the cap space and the willingness to spend this summer, Quenville is going to be a huge boost to that. So next year is going to be very interesting in South Florida. Um, But out of the remaining jobs, so Edmonton, L.A., Anaheim, Philly, uh, Buffalo, Ottawa, I'm not counting St. Louis because I think Barubi's locked that up. Which one is the most appealing to you, and which one is the least appealing to you? I feel like Edmonton's kind of a double-edged sword because you go in there with that lineup, and I know some people on it are dead weight, Lucic and Cassian, but when you go into McDavid and Dreisaitl, it's kind of like you have to have something. And, I mean, the craziest thing is this. You can't say you have to produce because the kids have produced regardless of who the coach was, whether it was McClellan or Hitchcock. I mean, both of them had over 100 points. Dreisaitl had over 50 goals. So... I feel like that's just going to be crazy going into a Canadian market. That's going to be ugly. Another ugly one up there is Ottawa. Like, I think the kids over there can definitely play. I know Pierre Dorian is in that rebuild, and he definitely just collected a whole bunch of pieces. But talk about a kick right in your dick when Colorado can come out with the number one overall pick that was a part of that Duchesne deal. And they can land Jack Hughes or Capo Caco. (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, what it's like, dude, it's like something like that can change your organization around. And they already have certain players in place. Kachuk, uh, Jesus Christ, what's his name on the back end there? I just spaced out. No, the other one. Whatever, I'll remember it after. But, Is, um, you're not talking about Jared Callen? No, I'm talking about the Ottawa defenseman. Thomas oh, Shabbat, Thomas Shabbat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was blanking on it, too. Yeah, sorry. But, um, yeah, no, it's like they have pieces in place, but I feel like even then when you still go there, it's still going to be a rebuild, and they're still in their, (coughs) excuse me, their five-year rebuild window. So, I mean, it's I don't know if that's really a destination anyone wants to go to. Yeah, I mean, they're talking about, you know, Quinville's off the board already, but you have, AV is still out there. Tom McClellan's out there. Uh, Mike Yo's out there. If I'm any of these guys, and I'm looking at the veil, I'm, I'd rather sit out another year and wait for something else to open up. I want no part of, like you said, you have Con McDavid, you have Drysaddle, you have a, a couple pieces uh, in Edmonton, but I want to see what the new GM, if there is a new GM that's fresh blood and that has doesn't have ties to the current organization, comes in and does before I commit to a three, possibly four-year contract to coach this team because Edmonton is a place where coaching careers go to die lately. So that's one. L.A. is absolutely jacked with no salary cap space, a shitty prospect system. Uh, they have... Kovalchuk, who's not happy in L.A., maybe that's just because of Willie Desjardins, we'll see. But that's not an appealing option outside of the weather. Anaheim, similar. Cap problems, uh, but not as bad as L.A. Uh, today, found out Kessler is probably going to need season, uh, career-ending hip replacement surgery. Uh, they have a couple nice prospects there, nothing major. 
Ottawa, I would not want to work for Melnick at all, especially since their new arena deal fell through. So now you don't know if there's going to be stability within the organization in terms of payroll and location. Uh, Buffalo seems like they would be an appealing aspect, but that's two coaches now that Jack Eichel has basically helped run out of town. And I don't know if that's an indictment on Eichel's leadership as captain, if he's still like young and maturing or whatever, but that gives me pause. The best one on a market, I think, is Philly, where you have Giroux, you have Voracek, uh, you seem to have a decent goalie in Carter Hutt. You have a lot of good prospects, especially on the defensive side of things. Uh, and it's a big-time market that's willing to spend. So if somebody like A.V. would come out, I would think he would go to Philly, but not very many appealing options, in my opinion. One thing, too, about the Buffalo thing is Phil Housley was probably their best option for developing Rasmus Dahlin, like, yeah. by far. And now he's not there anymore. If this kid comes out next year and has a complete sophomore slump, someone has to get the finger pointed at him, whether it's Eichel, whether it's the GM, whether it's somebody, because th- those are your two top cornerstone pieces, Dahlin and Eichel. So then if he just completely stops developing, like, I-, I just don't know where you go from there. Like you said, they're a little bit younger. They do have some guys in the lineup. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to get pushed out of there that quick, a little scary. But at the same time, too, I know me and you talked about it earlier today. They did have an awful second half of the year. Yeah. So, ugh. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like Halsey was tuned out in the locker room, but... There had to be something else going on because Buffalo was succeeding and having a pretty good run of it in the first half of the year. And you, you would think that would buy the head coach some like respect and credibility among the boys. And if that didn't happen then, then there must have been some really deep-seated shit going on in that rock, locker room. And I don't know if that's on a player's side or the coach's side. But um, just to throw this out there, L.A.'s interviewing Todd McClellan. Uh, and he seems to be interested in going to L.A. He coached Rob Blake towards the end of Blake's career. Who's the GM in LA right now? Uh, the long-standing rumor is Dallas Eakins, who is the AHL coach for Anaheim, just getting promoted up from the AHL and taken over there. And Mark Crawford is the interim coach in Ottawa, but apparently, uh, when they hired um, Guy Boucher, their runner-up choice was Mike Yo, and he's available again. So I wouldn't be surprised if they circle back to another retread there. Yeah, I'm with you, though. I don't know if I go if you get that call. Obviously, you want an NHL coaching job, but at the same time, it's kind of like weigh your options and and weigh them very good because if you get stuck somewhere, it could be really ugly. Yeah, and you just if I'm a coach, I'm looking at, okay, which teams didn't fire a coach now but might fire one during the season next year or next offseason, and would that be a better choice for me to sit out and wait and see what happens? I mean, if anything, guys are hoping to get gassed midway through the season. Like, did you see the midseason that Coach Q had? He was at the Bears game taking shots <laughs> off, like, the ski. Like, that dude had himself a winter. And now and, he's going to sunny Florida. Like, he's doing okay. And he's getting paid $6 million for, for the next five years in Florida, which is just below Mike Babcock, who's the highest-paid coach in the league. Kind of surprised Quinville came in underneath Babcock. But, um yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm honestly, I'm really glad that the Rangers aren't in this jumble of shit organizations at this point. Well, you better hope whoever comes in doesn't gas Quinny, because then you'll be right down there in the fucking circus, pal. 
Well, I will. I got to look at if they actually get an interview with Stevie Y. I got to see who the assistant coaches in Tampa and see because that might be one of the guys that he might bring in. Well, enough foreshadowing or hypothesizing or predicting. Can we get to the playoffs? I'm excited. Eh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Eh, whatever. First round of the playoffs, uh, outside of when a Stanley Cup starts, is probably the most exciting seven to ten days of, on a calendar for a hockey fans, just because there's pretty much two or three games every night, uh, and playoff hockey is the best. So I, I figure we might want to start out west and go through uh, the series uh, out there and then work our way to the Toronto-Boston series and wrap up with that. Yes, um, before we jump into the West, we do have a special guest on today, Oshidisu, a hilarious guy. you got to follow him on Instagram. We talked to him. He's a huge Maple Leaf fan, so we're going to give our predictions before we go through the interview with him later. But um, very honest, very humble, not like, I don't want to say a typical Canadian because that's not the way I want to sound, but in the sense of like a typical homer. He's not like... Yeah, you know, fucking Tavares is going to kill it. And, you know, fucking, no, no, he He was very in-depth looking at both sides of the fence. So we appreciate him coming on, taking the time. But, yes, Benny, let's start with the Western Conference. I have uh, Pacific 1 Calgary versus Wild Card 2 Colorado. Who you got? Yeah, so Calgary, uh, just to give an overview of both teams, Calgary, 50 wins on the year, 107 points. They finished second in goals four and ninth in goals again. So very balanced high-end team in Calgary. Uh, Surprised they finished that high up in goals against considering their goalie situation. Uh, Colorado, 38 wins and 90 points, 10th in goals for, 16th in goals against. Uh, I just think this is, Calgary is too well-balanced. They have too much depth. Uh, The defense is too strong. Colorado has a, you know, their top line is incredible. Grubauer has played really well, especially the second half of the year. I just think it's a terrible matchup for any of the wildcard teams to go into Calgary and try and upset the number one uh, seed out West. So I'm going to go Calgary in five. going to give a win to Colorado, hopefully one in Denver. Um, yeah, it's going to be a short series. See, I got the opposite. I got, uh, um, I got Calgary, Calgary winning, but I got them winning in seven. Okay. Uh, obviously, they're deep all around Calgary. The, the forward depth, they're very young but they do have experience in the playoffs. Like you said, their goaltending is always a question mark, which scares me, especially this time of the year. I mean, does Colorado have enough secondary scoring outside of their big three, a big question mark? But three players on Colorado I have, I think could make a difference. Derek Broussard and Colin Wilson have both been to cup finals. Big game, Derek. Big game, Derek. Big game, Derek. Big dick, Derek. Um, (laughs) Another one of their younger guys, Tyson Jost, who he's been compared to Jonathan Taves. Well, you know what? This is where Jonathan Taves thrives. So if this kid wants to make a name for himself, now's the time, big boy. Step up to the plate. Colorado's defense, too, not that bad. They're okay, not great. Uh, Eric Cole, Stanley Cup champion, he's battle-tested. You got Tyson Beard, you got Samuel Gerard, you got Eric Johnson. I think that's okay. I don't think it's the best. I think it's okay. Their goaltending, same thing. I, I think they're not bad, but they're not great. But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the Flames' offensive death is just too much. Colorado won't be able to handle them. But I feel like Colorado's going to grind a couple of games out of them. Maybe it's, 
maybe instead of seven, it's Calgary and six, but I think it definitely gets extended a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think Colorado is a year, two years at most away from being like a legitimate, uh, like top of the central division team, uh, for the next few years, especially with McKinnon and Langus Kong and Rat in, in their primes. I just think it's a year too early, especially on the back end. Ian Cole is their best defender, and that's like he's a fine player. I just think their defense skews too far towards the high risk offensive, offensively minded defenseman, and that's not really going to fly when you're trying to defend Froelich, uh, Bennett, Granlund, uh, Goudreau, Kuchuk. yeah, Kachuk. Yeah, it's so it's going to be a problem for them. I, I, I'm not crapping on Colorado at all, uh, if there are any Avs fans listening, but I just think it's a year too early to be trying to take down Calgary. I know Sierra's boyfriend, Steven, just started crying because we didn't pick <laughs> his team, but... I don't want to hear him crying at all. How many cups has he won? Give me a break. Uh, but I will say, I forgot to uh, add this to my quick analysis here for Calgary. I wanted to, in each series, I've tried to pick one player outside of like the household names or the stars that might be the biggest pain in the ass for the other team in terms of unsung hero or might come up with the biggest uh, play that makes a difference over the course of the series. And for Calgary, I'm going to go Mark Jankowski. Dude, Jankowski's a big boy too. And I know. If he gets in on that four check, like hell hath no fury boy because he'll be in there hard and he's going to be banging some bodies. And yeah, I'm with you 100%. Jankowski's going to be a quiet, but very efficient player for them. Uh, keeping with the Pacific Division playoffs, we have San Jose, the number uh, two seed in the Pacific uh, bracket, facing off against the Vegas Golden Knights. This is probably one of the closest series in the first round in either conference and probably one of the most difficult to choose between. San Jose, 46 wins, 101 points, third in goals for, 21st in goals against. Vegas, 43 wins and 93 points, although they finished the year really strong. 13th in goals for and 10th in goals against. Who do you got and why? So out of all the series I went through on my phone and I have here on my notes, this was the one I texted you about earlier, and I I honestly still don't know who I'm going to pick. This one's a coin flip (laughs) for me. Um, You want to talk about a heavy, heavy series? Like, this is going to be it. Ryan Reeves is going to be all over that ice causing havoc everywhere like there's going to be bodies just all over the place um one thing i have a question mark about san jose is can brent burns and eric carlson produce their usual offense in the playoffs like we know san jose is deep offensively so are they going to be able to a produce but then b be significantly defensive as well because Martin Jones was not the goalie he was last year. 894 save percentage, 294 goals against. And I think that's where Vegas could win this series. Um, I like Vegas's defense. The same core as last year. I think they have the possibility of shutting down San Jose's offense. Schmidt, like McNabb, you have some big names there. They're all back. Um, another thing, Marc-Andre Fleury and that, I mean, is he going to be the flower of last year? I don't know. That's going to be hard to recreate, but 913 save percentage, 2.51 goals against this year. I'm making my prediction now. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Vegas and seven. All right. 
I'm going to hold you to it. No more trail flopping now. Um, Everyone else I have written down, that was the only one I had. I just, (laughs) I didn't know which one to go with, to be honest. I had no idea. I think this was the hardest one to predict. Yes, I'm going to start with my thoughts on San Jose. Uh, Besides the Rangers, this is the team that I've seen the most this year. I probably have seen 60 of their regular season games. I've been to like five of them in person. Um, They're... Offense, obviously they're ranked third in goals for, but their offensive attack is so well-balanced. They don't have a true elite superstar. Uh, they have a guy like Pavelski who's like in that tier right below that. Uh, but they have Kevin LeBlanc who has had 56 points on a year on their third, sometimes fourth line, and he would be the second-leading scorer for Vegas. And he's getting third, fourth line minutes. Joe Thorne's their third-line center. Tomas Hurdle, Pavelski, like I said. Evander Kane finished with 30 goals on a year. Uh, the forgotten man, Logan Couture, who is one of the elite two-way centers in hockey, nobody talks about him this year, uh, still playing his consistent role. You mentioned Burns and Carlson. Carlson just came back the last game of the regular season to uh, get his legs under him. I don't have much concern with those two guys. My concerns with San Jose are the defense after Brent Burns and Carlson are off the ice. Vlasic has the reputation He's had an up-and-down year, even if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt. The rest of the defense core in San Jose is at best average and at worst brutal. Justin Braun, who we're familiar with from our days in Worcester, drags down whatever pair he's on this year. And he's had a pretty good run uh, in NHL in San Jose, but this year he has a 43% Corsi, which is absolutely terrible. Uh, Brendan Dillon hasn't been that much better. There's not much defense, especially if you're going to be putting Burns and Carlson together late in games on the same pair. I don't have too much confidence in the defense pairings behind them. Uh, Martin Jones, like you said, bad regular season, well, to his usual standards. But he does have that playoff pedigree. Uh, In the last three years, he's has a 926 save percentage in the playoffs, which is third best among 21 goalies with 10 or more starts. He seems to have the ability to just turn that switch on when he needs to. Uh, So I'm going to give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt. My only question is puck possession. Vegas, especially after they got Mark Stone, who's a Selkie candidate, can just dominate in that area of the game. And the way to beat San Jose is to keep the puck away from... It's like playing the Patriots. Keep Brady off the field. To beat the Sharks, you keep the puck away from the offensive zone for San Jose for the most part, and you're going to wear them down defensively and possibly wear Martin Jones down too. So Vegas is perfectly lined up to be able to do that. However, I just don't think Vegas has the offensive capability to slug it out with San Jose over the course of a six, seven-game series, which I think it's going to go. I wish San Jose had an actual goaltender. Because if they did, they'd be the cup favorites out West, I think, even ahead of all the other teams out West to at least make it to the Stanley Cup final. If they had a guy like Lundqvist in goal, it'd be a wrap. Uh, But I'm going to go San Jose in seven, although I could have been talked into Vegas. I'm just going to give the veterans in San Jose the benefit of the doubt in at least the first-round matchup. Um, My unsung hero, I guess, of this matchup, Martin Jones. He's got to turn that switch on. If he does... San Jose is probably going to be able to pull it out if he continues his play from the regular season. 
it might even be Vegas in five or six if he doesn't pull together because Arundel is not the solution and goal behind him. <laughs> Arundel, that's funny. <laughs> um, staying in the West, uh, Nashville Central Division number one against Wild Card One Dallas. Who do you got? Why? Where? When? <laughs> everything. <laughs> Nashville, Dallas. All right, Nashville, 47 wins, 100 points, 19th in goals for, third in goals against, uh, 43 wins and 93 points for Dallas, 29th in goals for, and second in goals against. So pretty much the best defensive series in any of the first-round matchups with the second and third-ranked defensive teams. This is going to be a very low-scoring series. The goalies are not going to be the problem here unless uh, Rene hasn't meltdown like he's had kind of the last year, two years in the playoffs. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So for me, it's going to come down to secondary scoring because guys like Sagan and Ben are going to be shut down or going to be game-planned against. Uh, Forsberg and Johansson are going to be game-planned against. So it's got to be secondary scoring from either team. And unfortunately, when you're ranked 29th in goals for, like Dallas is, you don't have that secondary scoring. Uh, Zuccarello was traded for at the deadline, and I love the guy, but he's not a guy who's going to be able to carry your team offensively in the playoffs. He's more of a power play, secondary type guy. Uh, so just based on that, the slightly better offensive depth that Nashville has is going to help them pull through. I'm going to go Nashville in six with Nick Bonino scoring a big goal uh, to help them win the series. Nashville, too strong, too deep. Been here before, no nerves. Nashville in five. I think, well, I know, Chicks dig a big pecker, and I think <laughs> he, he's going to be strong this year. I know he's been a puddle in the past, but I, I think he's churning a new leaf. He knows that... um I forget what their backup's name is, but he's bailed them out a couple of times this year, and he does not want to lose. Yeah, and he does not want to lose that job. And I mean, I don't want to say their window's closing, but it's it's getting closed a little bit, you know, a little bit, a little bit. So he knows what's at stake. I just think Nashville's too good; they're too deep. And Dallas, like you said, there's just outside of Ben and Sagan, there's nothing behind them at all. The the corpse of Jason Spezza. And the awful laugh. <laughs> um, saying out west again, finishing it up there. We have probably my most anticipated first round matchup: Winnipeg versus St. Louis. Winnipeg finishes the year with forty-seven wins and ninety-nine points, seventh in goals for, fifteenth in goals against. St. Louis ends the year the hottest team in the National Hockey League: forty-five wins, ninety-nine points. 15th in goals for, 6 in goals against. So pretty much same amount of wins, same amount of points, and just flip-flop the rankings in goals for and goals against. Who do you got and why? I have Winnipeg in 7. This is going to be an absolute bloodbath. Like, these yeah. two teams, like, this is going to be ugly. I think this is probably in the West. Well, actually, I'd say probably San Jose and Vegas too, but this is the series to watch. Like, you want to see shit get ugly and stuff get a little hazy and messages being sent. Like, this is the one. I know St. Louis is the comeback story of the year. I just don't see them winning this series. Um, Hellebuck's been there before. It's the first time for the rookie Bennington. Winnipeg's depth is just crazy. Hayes, Line, Wheeler, Shifley. And then you go back to their D end where you want to talk about some big boys? We have Big Buff, we got Tyler Myers, we got Jacob Truba, and we have Josh Morrissey. Guys who are not only massive, 
but they're not scared to play the body. And I think they are just going to beat up on St. Uh, St. Louis's forwards. And the other thing, too, is if St. Louis is going to win this series, they need their best players to be their best players. Like, that that's legit what it's going to be. Their defense needs to shut down Winnipeg's offense. That's going to be tough. I mean, Petriangelo, Edmondson, Pranko, like, they have a job ahead of them. Like, and they're just going to keep coming. So I just think Winnipeg is too good, but this is going to be a series. Yeah, this was my series where I kept going back and forth on, like, for you and Vegas and San Jose. My thing is, I mean, I can't really say much more than you already said. I can't wait to see Braden Shen against Dustin Bufflin. I can't wait to see, like, Bortuzzo and uh, Pranko and those guys against Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Winnipeg is built for the playoffs. There's just been something off about them this year. Halibut hasn't been as uh, strong as he was last season and in the playoffs. I think both teams are evenly matched. I don't usually like to do this in terms of talking about intangibles, but you have a team like St. Louis who had for years, going back to the David Backus and TJ Oshie days, that had all this pressure on them and they couldn't get it done in the playoffs. It was kind of like the uh, Senators with Alfredson and Hosa before they were broken up. And once those guys moved on, everybody thought the window closed for St. Louis and the pressure got to them and there was just a disappointing run for the franchise that had so much talent. And it seemed like that was going to continue this year until Craig Ruby took over. And from day one, all these guys have been saying he's helped the locker room just play with house money, stop reading the past press clippings, just play the game, use the system that they're being utilized in now uh, is the one that obviously been, should have been in place all along. I just, I'm leery of choosing a team like Winnipeg who is expected to do well and kind of might be reading their press clippings this year because of uh, last year, going against a team that's just playing with house money and playing loose and fast and has all that talent. I mean, you have Steen, Swartz, uh, Shen, all those guys, Tarasenko, uh, and then they finally have the answer on goal. So this is going to be my first upset pick, if you want to call it that, because they finished with the same amount of points on the year. But I'm going to go St. Louis in seven, and Joel Edmondson is going to play a big factor, big body, defensive, uh, shutdown defensive guy against the, guys, the likes of Brian Little, Mark Shifley. Oh, yeah, Edmondson's going to be a pain in the ass. Like, he's going to fucking ruin those guys in the corners. So that's my first upset pick. The Western Conference... Outside of maybe Calgary and Colorado for me, it's just going to be a really fascinating first-round matchup because I could see it pretty much going either way for the San Jose and the Winnipeg series. And not to mention, too, like they're just going to beat the crap out of each other. So it's well worth watching, well worth staying up late for. Have your mother and your father give you a little permission slip. You know, Joey's a little <laughs> tired today. He stayed up late, and that's fine. That's fine. Which is going to be a huge help for a team like Nashville, who's going to get the uh, remnants of whatever team makes it out of that battle of the first round between St. Louis and Winnipeg. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're not foreshadowing, but Nashville's in the second round. <laughs> but, all right, we're going to move out east. We're going to start with the team that tied the NHL record for most wins in a regular season with 62, most points in a regular season with 128. The Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Tampa, 62 wins, 128 points. 
first in goals for, fifth in goals against. Columbus, 47 wins and 98 points, 12th in goals for, 11th in goals against. Who do you have and why? Do you want to really know what my note is under this series? (laughs) All I have under this one is Tampa is just too good, period. Tampa, (laughs) Columbus might squeak one out. Tampa in five. All right, well. That's why people come here for that hard hitting analysis. Uh, I mean, it, it's hard. Like, dude, you look at it in depth. Like, yeah. Columbus put that push on at the trade deadline. They got all these guys. I don't want to say it worked out because they just squeaked into the playoffs. And then on top of it, you have Tampa, who is running at all cylinders right now. The last game of the year in Boston, they didn't even rest anybody. Stamkos played, Kucherov played, they all played. Cooper has the boys going at a certain thing. I think Torts might try to do his little media bullshit. Tampa is too relaxed, too not give a shit to even bite. It's going to just be, they're going to walk all over him. And I don't, like, that's why my notes only said, like, they're just too good, period. If you want to go to the goaltender, we could do that, Vaskaleski and Bobrovsky. I mean, do you want to call it a wash there? I mean, I guess we could. But if you look at every other aspect, Tampa dominates. Dominates, like. Not Columbus isn't even close. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of hoping that Columbus would finish with the first wild card spot because a rematch between them and Washington would have been really, really good, and that could have been a matchup Columbus could have won. I agree uh, with that. I, I think they could have won that matchup. Yeah, Columbus. Now, this is not a detriment to the Blue Jackets because as a Talent-wise and as a team, they are stacked. And I know they've been inconsistent all year long. They went, for, they just made it in as a wild-card team. Top to bottom, probably one of the most talented teams in the Eastern Conference outside of Tampa Bay where they could pretty much win any series they're in. They just had the unlucky draw of pulling Tampa Bay in the first round. And despite all the platitudes you can put on Tampa for what they've done this year, the depth they have, the star power they have, Columbus, I think I would have given them more of a chance if Ryan Murray was able to play in the series. He's out, uh, which hurts their defensive depth. He would have been a significant factor. And, you know, the game plan, I was listening to an interview with former Blue Jackets enforcer Jody Shelley, who's their uh, analyst now. And his game plan would be, you just got to shut down Kucherov and Stamkos, which obviously isn't easy to do because if it was that easy, everybody would have done it. And then you got to force this, uh, the depth guys in Tampa Bay to beat you. And when it comes down to that, Columbus has the ability, would have had the ability to do that or had a better chance to do so if you had Murray and Jones and Savard all playing. Uh, but that injury is really going to hurt them in this first-round matchup. And even though Borowski has a history of playing well, I don't know what's with him this year. Every time I see him, he's getting pulled, giving up five, six goals. You know, the last start against Boston, he looked absolutely brutal. Um, so I don't have as much confidence in him making it as serious as others. I wish Columbus was able to play somebody else because I would love to pick them to get their first ever playoff series win, but it's not going to happen this year. I'm going to go Tampa in six just because of the talent that Columbus has. Uh, it's going to be a easy six for Tampa, but I think he'll go six. And my unsung hero for that series is Alex Killorn. Alex Killorn, he does play good in the playoffs too. Harvard guy. Harvard guy. 
Have a grand. <laughs> have a grand. Uh, Metropolitan one, Washington versus Wild Card one, Carolina. Uh, I think Carolina is going to surprise some people here. Finally, being able to be seen on like the national stage, like you know, most of their games this year are just local network. No one really has seen this. The storm surge. Um, I do think Robert he knows what it takes to win a cup, and I think he can rally the guys around him. I think going to Washington though with Holtby, it's going to be too much for them to overcome. I got Washington and six. Okay. Yeah, this is the series that I'm. I've been looking for a reason to pick Carolina because I, I like just a great team of uh, guys. You know the story they had this year. Would love to see it continue. They've only finished two wins behind Washington, five points behind them on a season. So it's not like it's a huge disparity in terms of uh, regular season finishes. I just don't know if the young guys. And Carolina are ready to dethrone the defending Stanley Cup champions in the first round without home ice advantage. And I don't think Ovechkin's ready to give that up. You have Holpe, who's battle-tested. All these guys, Carlson's ready to go. Yeah, they Carolina, basically have the same lineup from last year. Like, Yeah. Like, Carolina has a very deep and talented defense core. You know, somehow they patched it together in goal with Peter Morazic and Curtis McElhaney all year. I don't know if that if Midnight's about to strike on that pairing. Uh, Carolina has a bright future. I think it goes seven. I'm going to give Carolina that much. I think it's going to be the Caps in seven. But I would love for it to be game seven in overtime, and then Justin Williams has the breakaway. Oh, Mr. Game 7, holy shit. Against the former, against his former team coming in to potentially end their Stanley Cup reign. Uh, but outside of that, I'm going to go Caps in seven, and I'm going to go against the green a little bit here because I have watched probably two dozen Carolina Hurricanes games. In a losing effort, my unsung hero is going to be Warren Fogle. Warren Fogle. All right, that's a name drop. <laughs> is, 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 is he on the uh, Hurricanes or the AHL team? <laughs> He's on the Hurricanes. Uh, Ten goals in a year. He's just very strong defensive guy. He can chip in a goal here or there. And I think in a tight series, he might be able to get one of those bouncy fluke goals in overtime or something to win a game. Fair enough. Uh, going on to the next part of that, the Metropolitan. We have the number two seed Islanders versus the number three Penguins. Who do you got? Who, what, where, when, why? This is a series where I hope a meteor hits either arena that they're playing in because I hate both fucking franchises. Um, I hate the Islanders just slightly less because they've been an absolute garbage dumpster fire since Basically, I came into this world. So even though we have the uh, regional rivalry, they've basically been the uh, redheaded stepchild. Actually, no, I'm going to take that back because Red's listening. Uh, they've just been a shit franchise since like 1995. So the Penguins have knocked the Rangers out a bunch of times. I'm going to go Pittsburgh in six, even though I don't think Pittsburgh has that same, I guess, mojo that they've had in years past. Out, I think outside of their top guys, their role players aren't as strong as they ha- have been in the years past. Uh, on defense, you know, their injuries, I'm not really confident uh, in a deep playoff push for the Penguins. But outside of Barry Trotz's magic, where the Islanders went from, I think they were 29th in goals against last year to first. Uh, and they did that with Robin Leonard and Tomas Greich and bringing in Barry Trotz. So, 
it's going to be a closer series than some people might think. I just, until proven otherwise, I'm not going to go against Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in a toss-up series against a team like the Islanders who finished 21st in goals for, which was one goal ahead of the Rangers, just to put that in perspective. So Pittsburgh in six, unsung hero, Jared McCann. I have the same. I have the Penguins in six. I mean, the Penguins in the playoffs under Mike Sullivan, 38-23. and 23. That's pretty fucking good. Um, I know we've discussed the Islanders all year and their uncertainty and just the things that happen with them. I just don't think they have enough to stop the best player in the world. I don't, and I don't think they have enough to stop Malkin. I'm with you on the mojo part of it. I don't think this is really their mojo, and I don't think behind them is as deep as it has been in their playoff, well, their playoff winning years. But, yeah, I think they definitely have enough to get by the Islanders. Yeah, I, which sets up a potential Washington-Pittsburgh second-round matchup again. And I just, yeah, I think this is going to be the last series win uh, for the Penguins this year. Yeah, I think if they, well, when they get Washington in the second round, I think, yeah, that's going to be it. Now, watch it turn out to be like the Islanders versus Carolina for the chance to go to the conference final. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Don't listen to us. We really don't know shit. We're just kind of going on a... The Stanley, the Stanley Cup final, Dallas versus Carolina. I'm sure Batman would love that. Oh, my God. That would actually be phenomenal. He would be talking about <laughs> how his grassroots has changed these towns so much. Fuck him. <laughs> Remember that speech after Anaheim one? The last two Stanley Cup champions have been from non-traditional markets. Yeah. Oh, what a fucking loser. Um, but anyway, now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. The reason why everyone is here today the Boston-Toronto series. Yeah, let's go into... I have my notes here, so let's go through our thing. Then we'll play the Shitty So interview, where, I mean, we we asked him some really good questions. I mean, some shit that he actually had to think about and give legitimate answers to. It wasn't just like, why do you think Toronto's going to win for? So, Yeah, it's a great interview. Uh, Very funny guy. Uh, Even when giving his the answers on a series itself, uh, you can tell he's a funny guy. Uh, really fun to hang out, hang around with. So it's about a 25-minute, 28-minute interview uh, with him. Well worth it. Please give it a listen. Uh, and at the end of this podcast, we'll give another shout-out to his uh, Instagram handle so you can go give him a follow as well. Absolutely. Um, do you want to give all the intro to this, all the, uh, the records and all oh, the yeah. fun stuff? So Boston, uh, 49 wins, 107 points. 11th in goals for, 4th in goals against. Toronto finishes with 46 wins and 100 points, 4th in goals for, and 18th in goals against. Now, I would normally ask who do you have and why, but I feel like I don't even need to ask that question, but I'll do it out of respect. Who do you have and why? I have Boston by a normal nose, not a Martian nose. (laughs) I have uh, the Bruins in 7. I probably could have said 6, but just with the history as a late with these two has gone in the playoffs. I think I just have to go seven games. I don't think Toronto's defense is good enough to contain Boston's big three. And I think David Krejci, like this is where he makes his money in the playoffs. Like this is always where he's done it. Um, at the same time though, too, Toronto does have firepower. They do scare me. Marner, Matthews, Tavares. And I mean, if God forbid we William Nylander actually fucking wakes up, he could actually do something. Um, our defense is way better than Toronto's by far. I 
there's no question about that. And the other thing, too, is if, God forbid, Tuka Rash hits the bed, we have Halak in the background. The Toronto goalie situation where they have now sent Garrett Sparks down to the AHL to deal with a completely separate goalie coach so he can build his confidence back up and they named Michael Hutchinson the backup, means that if we can get anything by Frederick Anderson and Babcock actually has to make a goalie decision, they're done. Done. Dead in the water. So, Do you think they regret uh, putting McElhaney on waivers? Oh, no question. No <laughs> question at all. Absolutely. So, Mike, I have a question which will lead into kind of like my analysis. So, the Bergeron line is going to match up against two. Matthews or Tavares? I would say when we have the line change at home, yeah. probably against Matthews to try shutting them down, I'd say whoever's Marner is with. So if Marner's with Matthews or if Marner's with Tavares, that's where you go. Because uh, like you guys are going to hear in the interview, like Shitty says, I mean, Marner is their guy like that's the guy that gets the engine going for them so bergeron is just gonna try washing out whoever that is martian's just gonna spark all kinds of shit i i just think we're too deep for him i just think that's all it is we're just too deep so for me one of the things that popped up uh when looking over the series matchup is so if you have bergeron and his line out against let's say matthews and marner I'm assuming you guys would then split, not have Chara out there as well. You would save Chara to go against Tavares and uh, Nylander, which would then, who would, if that's the case, who would you have playing the back end uh, against Matthews and Warner? Carlo and Grizzlick? Uh, that or it would be Carlo and Krug. Okay. I mean, even if worse came to worse and we have Grizzlick and Miller out there. Those are two of our better defensive defensemen. So on that end, I wouldn't be worried because if they're going to beat us and get a goal, they're going to earn it. It's not just going to be a fluke. So I'm okay with that. Okay, so for me, it went to seven games last year. Boston pulled it out, obviously. Boston it still has the pedigree and the veteran leadership of guys like Chara, Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, even a guy like Bacchus, who uh, playing fourth line minutes is going to be able to play a role. Yeah. I love Grizzlick. I wish the Rangers were able to get him from you guys before he actually uh, developed into the player he is right now for you. Uh, Krug on a power play. My hesitation with Boston is... They, I don't think they solved their depth issues in terms of the coil and Johansson trade. I think they fit in well into the system. I just don't think they're moving the needle much offensively for you guys, and that's where you needed the most help. Uh, so that's one area of concern. The other area of concern is your fourth line. You guys get, you guys play your fourth line a lot. Like I think you guys average like 12 or 13 minutes of ice time a game, and I'm sure that's going to go down in the playoffs as needed. But that's a lot of ice time for your fourth line where Toronto can just throw out their third line uh, with Marlowe on it to kind of get that matchup advantage, which is one area I keep a focus on if I'm a Bruins fan. Toronto, like you said, a massive amount of firepower. Uh, they went to seven games last year without Kadri and without John Tavares. Now both of those guys are there. And 
probably and hopefully healthy for the full series. Uh, the defense, listen, Ron Hainsey is brutal. Saitsev is brutal. Uh, Gardner is back and healthy. Dermott's, I think this is going to be a coming out party for Travis Dermott, uh, even if Toronto loses. Uh, Morgan Riley is in a Norris conversation. And as long as he's healthy, Frederick Anderson had a, I'm going to give a little bit of a advantage over than Tuka Rask. Uh, just based on play the last year, two years, and in, in the playoffs, not by much, not a Marshand nose like you said, but just a slight advantage and goal to Toronto. I'm going Toronto in seven. I just can't get over the fact of Toronto is going to do exactly what they need to do in terms of splitting up Bergeron and Chara in their matchup games at home between Marner and the Matthews line, and then the JT line, and then you still have Nylander, you still have Marlowe, you still have Andreas Johansson. My uh, unsung hero for this series would be Kasperi Kapanen, uh, playing probably on that second or third line as well. Yeah, the defense is terrible. It's going to be a lot of high-scoring games. I think there's going to be a few blowouts. Like, I can see Boston winning a game like 6-0, 7-1, and then Toronto winning a game like 5-0, something like that. I think it goes seven games. I think it goes into overtime. I just think Toronto pulls it out this year. Now everybody can start throwing tomatoes at me. No, I mean, that, that's fine. You're entitled to an opinion. I mean, I guess. Thank it God could I, be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank God I edit the show and we can cut all that out. <laughs> I think I just, I you, keep going back to they didn't have JT or Kadri and they still won seven games last year. And that was when Dermot was a rookie and didn't have much experience and all that stuff. And Anderson was still getting his feet under him. So that's the only reason why I could see Boston winning. Obviously. But I, I, I just, just think our fourth line, when you said we roll them, we play them a lot, it's because they're good. Like, they're, they're probably the best fourth line of the league. They're going to go in, and Ron Hain, he's probably going to be taken out with a separated shoulder because Chris <laughs> Wagner is going to run straight through him. Noel Achari is going to label somebody. The fourth line is going to do their damage, their due diligence, my unsung hero for this is going to be the kid that I said right before the Bruins called up, they should call up. Carson Kuhlman, the kid has come up, and he's the only one, it, well, outside of Connor Clifton, who's going to be a healthy scratch. Carson Kuhlman is going to play this series, and he's going to make a difference. And he's going to be alongside Krejci and DeBrusque. Krejci's going to give him the opportunity in puck possession to make something happen. And this kid's going to do it, and... All these other quote-unquote prospects and prodigies we have coming up are now going to be behind this kid that no one even heard about. Guaranteed. Yeah, so... I mean, obviously you've watched more of the Bruins this year. I just have... I come from a different mindset when it comes to the fourth line of... I absolutely have full confidence that they're going to be a pain in the ass physically and defensively. Uh, when they're on the ice. I just think they're a black hole offensively. And even if you match up the fourth line of Boston against the fourth line of Toronto, I think over the course of a long series, guys like Connor Brown and uh, even Zach Hyman, if he uh, gets demoted down a little bit for to spread the scoring around, is a better overall game plan for a six or seven game series than hoping that Corrali pots in a goal for me. And that's just one of the one, another one of the deciding factors for me. Oh, no, that's 
uh, and yet again, you're entitled to your opinion, but that is, <laughs> that's 100% wrong. Th- this fourth line has done it the whole year. Consistency, they've scored goals. Wagner had career highs this year. Achari, the same thing. I, I just think that our fourth line all around, because then you break them up, and then they're actually able to do penalty kill and everything else. Yeah. They're a lot more valuable than other people's fourth line. That's that's all it comes okay. down to. Yeah, so like I said, I'm going Toronto in seven by the slimmest the slimmest pubic hair of a difference. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are now going to take you away to the Oshadis interview. I hope you guys enjoy it. Like Benny said, he is hysterical. So we're going to take you guys to that right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to announce to you a friend of ours, now a friend of yours of the show, a funny motherfucker from up north who's going to be previewing the Bruins Maple Leaf series with us, the Instagram star, Oshidisu. Shidisu, welcome to the 2, 5, and 10 podcast. We appreciate you joining us. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. How are you guys? We are phenomenal. Uh, There's a couple of questions we have to get into before we uh, get into the (laughs) hockey stuff. First thing is, uh, we had the Vegas over undo for uh, you saying Kadayu about eight and a half, and uh, food is at twenty two and a half. So, what do you think of the odds? <laughs> okay, you guys putting money on this? Well, you know, you never know what could happen. So, you know, we'll just we'll just leave it as is. Let's leave it as is. All right. Uh, one other question we have for you too before we get started. How did you get the nickname Shadis? Was it just like one day you were in the shower in elementary school and one of the kids was like, Jesus Christ, is that a Shadis role you got down there? Just hanging is some big linguista down low or what? <laughs> That's it. That's hey. it. God, how you? Um, honestly, when um, when I started my uh, my Instagram page, I worked with a good friend of mine, uh, Must Be Portuguese, and um, he kept pushing me to do this, right? And so... When I did start it up, we were thinking of a name. And he's like, bro, what do you eat every day? Every day, what the fuck do you eat in the morning? Like, I eat shadisa with some eggs. It, that That's was it, Karayu. That was it. <laughs> Karisu was born. I'm, I'm just going to jump in and say this white boy has no idea what the fuck is going on right now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's two Portugueses bonding, bro. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you want to fire it up, Benny, with a question? Uh, yeah, so uh, since we had a little bit of snack talk before uh, we started recording here, I guess my first question is, uh, heading into the first-round matchup against the Bruins, I think one of the areas of concern, at least from an outsider's point of view, is in goal. How confident are you and Anderson uh, heading into the playoffs? I am very confident in Frederick Anderson heading into the playoffs. I have no confidence in their backup goalie, Garrett Sparks. So if something should happen to Anderson, we've got a situation on our hand, and that will be a huge, huge wake-up call to uh, Dubas for next season to address that situation because I would love to have Halak as my backup goalie for next year. You know, sometimes you land in free agency, sometimes you don't. Um, <laughs> I got a question for you. 
Who do you think is going to be a difference maker in this series for you guys? Mitch Marner, if he's on his game the way he's been playing all season long, that kid will be one of the key reasons we do advance in the first round. Mitch Marner, shift after shift after shift, the kid makes something happen. Not always ending up in a goal, but he makes something happen. Sometimes, you know, you know how the kid is, fly by the edge of your seat. That shit just happens right on a fucking dime. So you play with Mitchie boy, be prepared. And him and Tavares, they're incredible. Yeah, right? I mean, hard to deny. Say, what was it, 45 it, it, goals this year? I think Mitch Marner is your guy. Fair enough. Uh, one other question I got for you is, do you think Nazem Kadri is going to make a difference this year? I know last year in the playoff series he got suspended a couple of games. I think it hurt you guys a little bit, your depth. Do you think if he's able to be in the lineup, he can also be a difference maker? If Kadri's in the lineup, he is going to be a pest. He is going to. He is the closest thing we have to a Brad Marchand. Just not as good looking, and his nose is a little smaller. God damn it! They're both pretty fucking ugly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but honestly, he is the like. That's that's her like. It's sad to say, but that's our fucking tough guy. That's our toughness, Nazem Kadri, and um, uh, and we have to address that also moving forward next year, man. The Leafs organization, they they need a they need a guy there that can that won't be pushed around, that will not allow someone to push around their players because we've seen it this season. Some key leaf players getting bounced around and the other player just skates right on by because you don't know what the fuck to do. So do you think losing Matt Martin back to the Islanders is a blow, especially this time of the year? Absolutely. Absolutely. What about Fraser McLaren? Bring that big boy back. No. (laughs) Unless McLaren could put in 25, 30 points. Sure. But yeah. era is done. We're done with that shit. It's it's the, these big tough guys. They can play now. They can score goals. And, you know, the fighting is into what it used to be in the NHL anyway, right? Yeah, that's for sure. It's more catch me if you can hockey now. <laughs> yeah, it's more the Sean Avery, Brad Marchand uh, instigators around the league now. Uh, yeah. I know you mentioned Marner. Uh, I'm actually curious, outside of, like, I guess the big three, which I consider Marner, Matthews, and Tavares, uh, is there a, like a sleeper that you think could be the difference maker in a six or seven game series for you guys? Hopefully Nylander comes out of his funk. And because like Nylander, he, the, guy, the kid's got talent, right? And if he can come out of that funk, like we held off for how, how long? When did, when did he start playing? Was it like Christmas or something like that? Yeah, like, like like, and, and here we are thinking, okay, here we go, 35, 40 goals, and uh, what's this kid doing? What's this kid doing? Got the money, and now he's fucking sleeping. Does it upset you on another level that he sat out as long as he did for the money he probably could have got if he just said, hey, this is what I want, they would have gave that to him? <laughs> like, we thought he yeah. was signed and, like, holding out for seven and a half, eight, and it's like, oh, 6.75. Like, dude, you could have said at the beginning, they would have paid you that. Like, like, Jesus, like, just the fact that you're, like, demanding that kind of payroll, you know, and Pasternak is, my opinion, twice, three times the player you are, buddy. So, yeah. and look at the money he signed for, right? So, like, 
there, listen, it, a dark horse player, I would honestly say, aside from the big boys, what you just named, if Nylander wakes up, he could – that kid's speed, right? And even Cappy. I like Cappen and speed also. Yeah, I was thinking of him too. He's been a little favorite of mine ever since you guys got him in the, from Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a freaking – Fun series. It's going to be grueling, and it's a seven-gamer. It's definitely a seven-gamer. I got some of my friends saying no. There, Some of my friends are saying Leafs in five, Leafs in six. I'm like, listen, I would love to see that. Yeah. Boston's not just going to lie down and say, here, come fuck me in the ass. That's not <laughs> happening. It's not <laughs> going to happen. It's going seven games. With you thinking it's going to go seven, another question I have for you is, do you think Toronto's defense is good enough slash deep enough to make a deep run? If Hainsey and if Hainsey and uh, what's his name Riley are doing their thing, with, especially what we know Hainsey could do, that guy's a little veteran. They could those two guys. They got some. They got some more depth in there, but to go the full distance, yeah, you never know. You you know what? You never know because. Nobody expected fucking Morgan Riley to be the league, the league's leading defenseman. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, I, I, just I, it's playoff hockey. It's a different caliber. These kids are young. They're fast. They're smoking lightning fast. These kids, man. So you never know. My honestly, my biggest concern is not them putting pucks in the net. It's allowing pucks in their net because that fucking game against Florida last week. All right, we scored seven, but you fucking let five in. You let five in. Come on, man. Oh, that's true. And that kills me because we can't be doing shit like that against the Boston Bruins on the first round. You just can't do that shit. You're yeah, going to get burned. Are you a little disappointed that after the deadline, you're still playing Ron Hainsey about 18, 20 minutes a night instead of acquiring a right-handed shot for his pair of guy? Like, I know you got Muzzin, but... He's not yeah, exactly. Yeah. We got to, and you know what? He hasn't been that bad, right? But like, what? Are we, who are we talking? Like, are we gonna bet the farm on some fucking? We can't go down that road that we've been down that road 25, 30 years. You know, bet the farm for this guy, and then what? We're paying for this fucking ass for the next eight years, right? So like, they got to do things in strides. They got to do. I honestly, my humble opinion, Kyle Dubas does not have the experience. The GM of the team in the NHL. Not yet. He's too young. Fucking hot take right there. We're quoting that shit when we drop this episode. I, I will say. Sorry, Sorry but have, that's, he's, that, it's a pet peeve of mine, man. I just, some of my friends, oh, he's making great deals. I'm like, no, he's not making fucking, he's not doing anything crazy. He's not. And the fact that we didn't address a goaltender as a backup for, or we have one goalie. Frederick Anderson is the Toronto Maple Leafs MVP. He is the most valuable player because without that man between the pipes, this team's lucky if they're a wildcard team, if they can't put the puck in the fucking net. Yeah, I was going to say that Kevin knows my feelings on this guy pretty damn well, but if you're looking for a righty shot defenseman on a cheap without selling a farm, I would drive from San Francisco to New York and then drive from New York to Toronto, Kevin Shattenkirk, for free. You, I think he, he won't even take that garbage. He knows better. He knows better. <laughs> If 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 it like how he what's his, what's his contract? What's that in the first contract? I had too much. Two years. Yeah, but did, did he? How, how many games in the NHL this year? 
he's going to finish like 69 or 70. He was hurt for the first two weeks. Yeah, but then they just tossed his ass down there because just a sack of fucking... Like, what happened to that guy? He went to New York. That's what happened. Jesus. And at one point, we we were considering picking him up uh, from St. Louis at one point. Yeah. No, every... Could have came to Toronto. New well, York is the city where free agents go to die, so... Well, shitty. Don't let your. Edmonton is where no number one picks go to fucking die. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, speaking of going to die, I got a question for you. If the Leafs lose again this year in the first round, how big do you think Mike Babcock's leash is going to be? Because I mean, he hasn't. He's gone there and he hasn't produced in the playoffs. Listen, if the Leafs get knocked out in the first round this year, there has to be a wake up call. Or else, what's the point doing all this? What's the point of us rebuilding? the? So far, the rebuild's been great. But, okay, now we're hitting a bumping road. Last year, we were out first round. Year before that, we were out first round. Right against the Capitals, wasn't it? And we weren't even expected to make the playoffs. And look at these kids. They got in the playoffs. Boom, we got a taste of it. All right. Last year, we were a little bit better. We got a taste of it again to the Bruins. But this year, we got John Tabarts. We got an older Austin Matthews. We got an older number 16 there, Mitchie Boy Marner. And the team is, when the team was good, they're great. Right? But it's like I said earlier, we were talking off air. I was like, Pittsburgh Penguins, when they're good, they're great. Yeah. When they're good, they're fucking shit, right? The Leafs, the Bruins, they're the same type type of team where when they're good, they're both great. Yeah. But when they're shit, they're not really shit shit, but they can still hold their own. But <laughs> if it comes down to mediocre hockey, right, who's going to have the edge, the Leafs or the Bruins? That's a good question. I'd go Leafs right. just the options. Playing up well, do you think it's going to come down to secondary <laughs> scoring? Like, that? do you think it's going to come down to secondary scoring? Like, if we can contain your top three and you guys can contain our top three, you're, we're going to have to rely on other people to put pucks in the net. It's going to have to, or we're going to have fucking uh, one, one, two, two games going into a lot of fucking sudden death, which, you know what? I like that too. Yeah, I, I like drinking beer late night too. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that, that, you know, I know the regular season, we were out. Scored 16 to 10 or something like that. Bruins took three out of one, but that's regular season hockey, right? We throw that shit out the window now. It's a different caliber of play. We were down, what, 3-1 three, three last year? 3-1, yep. Right? And to make the, you know, the fight back with this young team and, you know, to get burned in game seven, it is what it is. Someone's going to fucking get butthurt at the end of the game, right? But, oh, yeah, regardless. This year, hopefully, uh, we're happy and we've eliminated the Bruins. Yeah, I've always been curious, going back to that Babcock question, about if Toronto's keeping Sheldon Keefe and AHL on purpose, just in case, like a break glass in case of emergency, in case Babcock uh, is let go, they have his replacement already in the organization. Oh, organization, sorry. If, if Babcock <laughs> would get let go, let's say, before next season, if the Leafs don't go after fucking Quinnenville, I don't know what the fuck's the problem. Why yeah. fuck the Marlies? 
And Vigneault's out there as well. He's coaching Team Canada now in the World Championships. I'd rather have someone who's got NHL experience, especially winning rings, to go alongside the caliber of players we have. I think that would be interesting, though, too. Like, say you guys gas Babcock and then you hire Quenville. There's going to be a couple of coaches out there that are going to be kind of spot on. Like, we already know Quenville's going somewhere. Where, we don't know. But then if he goes up north and then Babcock's a free agent now, like, yeah, it could be definitely be an interesting summer, depending on how shit falls into place. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't know, like, when we hear some shit, some rumblings in the media here in Toronto that there is a, some talk, and is Babcock a little upset with management? Like, I know, beginning of the season, once we got rid of uh, Curtis McElhaney, Babcock didn't have the confidence in Sparks. And he proved it by playing Sparks against the Bruins one night. Um I can't remember who the other team was. And yeah, I got lit up like a Christmas tree, but that was his point. I need this guy to be in the NHL caliber type of play against these big clubs. Yeah. And if you can't do it, then you are not NHL ready. Absolutely. Right. So I don't know, man. Uh, My last question about the series. And again, this is coming from a sad Rangers fan is, who on the Bruins, like I asked you about who on the Maple Leafs outside of your big three, are you hoping to have a big role in the series? Who on the Bruins outside of, I'm just going to say Bergeron and Marsha and then Pashnak, their top line, who scares you the most uh, on the Bruins heading into the series? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, listen, Tuka Rask on his game, he's Tuka Rask. What can you say about the guy? But guess what? If Tuca goes down or if Tuca shits the bed, <laughs> you got Halak who's been fucking killing it. Do you understand? So, like, their gold, aside for those top three men, their goaltenders are going to be fucking, they got a one-two punch goaltending situation there. And honestly, I, I, and I said it to a friend of mine, if the Bruins get by the Leafs, Bruins are going to the final, Period. Another hot take. Put that one in quotes, Benny. Put that in quotes. Oh, absolutely. I've I said it to a few of my buddies already. If the Bruins eliminate the Leafs, the Bruins are going to the cup final this year. For the last 10 years, the team has been such a great fucking team. They've moved some bodies around, obviously, in big names, and they still maintain to be an elite team in the NHL. Right? Didn't I tell you earlier today, Benny, I love this man? Didn't I tell you earlier I was going to love this man? Don Cherry would fucking love me right now, especially that I'm saying it with a fucking leaf hat on, eh? A bunch of jerks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So going into the offseason for you guys, what are your thoughts on the future? I mean, obviously you got to get the Marner extension done. What do you think that's going to end up costing you guys? And do you think with now having all of them under contract, Nylander, Tavares, Matthews, Kadri, you're going to get Marner under there? Like, is someone going to get traded to open up some sort of space? Like, what are your thoughts on everything? Oh, yeah. Like, Mar- Marlo's got, I think he's got, he's got another year left with them. They'll probably, they'll probably unload Marlo for some nobodies, right? You know what I'm saying? That That saves up. I don't know what the fuck Marlowe's contract is, like six, seven million or something like that. Yeah. Right. Like, 
Bye bye, uh, blue line kid there. What's his name? Jake oh, Gardner. Yeah, you know they're gonna have to, right? Like, or else what? What are you gonna do? You know, you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be the Edmonton Oilers all of a sudden. <laughs> Fucking you paid out two main guys and and you're fucked now because you can't buy anybody else to, to help your team. Lucic is hogging so much of that fucking team's money. <laughs> Luch. Was, who, wait, uh, was, wasn't that a, a, a Bruins GM that did that? <laughs> well, that, that? That was typical Peter Chiarelli. Like, lock up someone long-term, even though they're older, for crazy money. But Chiarelli's done good with the Bruins until the end there, right? And it's okay, fuck yeah. you, right? But, you know, he built you a Stanley Cup team. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. but I mean, like, towards the end, like you said, the turnaround, like, he gave a 36-year-old Dennis Seidenberg when $4 million was a lot for a defenseman four years at four mil. And take it. Take everything else fucking tic-tacs. Here you go. Yeah, Once just handed him out. Oh, oh, we're keeping the core intact. Like, yeah, Pusa? Like, what the fuck? He's 36. We can find another guy who does that. <laughs> Maybe Groton was responsible for that cup and not Chiarelli. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess... Just to get on the record, I know you gave us uh, some pretty good hot takes uh, from the interview. Going into the series, what's your official prediction and thoughts uh, on a first-round matchup? Pain. Pain. <laughs> I tell you right now. All right. I got the Leafs in Game 7. Okay. And they're going to do it in Boston. All right? It's, it's, it's time. They're due. It's time. They're due. No disrespect to the Bruins. They're a great fucking organization. But it's the Leafs' time now. It is going to rough, it's going to be a rough bloodbath of the series. That little fucking big-nosed fucking prick Marshawn is going to be a cocksucker. But I tell you, I'd love to have him in blue and white. He's going to probably, like, be giving out blowjobs this year. Like, last year he was licking faces <laughs> before he was kissing. So this year maybe just pure straight-out BJs on fucking at the fucking face-off line. I don't know. But um, I'll tell you right now, this is going seven games. And it's going to be a – there might be one or two lopsided games. Yeah. Other than that, I think it's going to be a tight fucking series. Um I'm going to say you're going to see, like, a lot of... I, I want to see overtime, man. God damn it, I want to see overtime in this series. I really, really do. So you want a Game Tri 7 overtime? Triple OT. I want, honestly, give me overtime every fucking game. I like it. I like that. Just like, keep not stupid overtime. Like, yeah, not like fucking, all right, yeah. we're into the fourth order. No, none of that nonsense. Give me, give me, I'm there with a period or two of overtime. Right, where, like I, where it means yeah, something, you know, it's, like it's seven games. It's it, seven games. On, of course, I'm going Leafs on this one. All right, fair enough. Um, something happens to Anderson, then we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you my prediction. I, I think the Bruins in seven. No disrespect, but I, I think it is one of those things of, you know how until Ovi beat Sid last year, you just like I just can't bet against Sid. That, that's just kind of the way I feel though. Like I feel like. The, the Bruins kind of own that ass a little bit. I, I know you guys always come back into the series, and it always ends up going seven. But I feel like until you guys can get past us, it's hard to bet against us. Just, just like, like Washington, Pittsburgh. 
That's Washington it, yeah. every year for the next fucking twenty-eight till the NHL changes it. Like, <laughs> yeah, th- th- this yeah, this format's got to fucking change. It's just it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Give it to me like this. You got eight teams in the East, eight teams in the West making the playoffs. Give me the top eight teams in point fucking from top to bottom. The best teams by point. I don't care where you are in the divisions. Okay. Just give me the first top eight. Number one plays number eight. Number two plays number. Then that's the way it goes. I'm with you on yeah, that. We talked about that last week. Yeah. What is the reward for these teams? The well, Tampa Bay Lightning, the Bruins, the Leafs. These are the top three, four, five teams in the NHL. In- Someone's going home after the first round. Yeah. yeah. Could clearly be a conference final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Same thing out west, too. Yeah, that's like the Winnipeg-Nashville matchup whenever that happens. It's like the, the oh. Western Conference Championship is today, boys. Yeah, like how many times did we see Chicago and St. Louis go out of every fucking goddamn year? Yeah. Right? I will say if it goes seven games, I'm going to have to lean Boston. I think if you, Toronto's going to win it, they have to end it before game seven at TD Garden. So you're so what are you saying? You're going seven games Bruins or you're going six games Toronto? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go just because I don't trust the defense in Toronto just yet. I'm going to go Boston and seven in overtime. Boston and seven in overtime. It's going to be incredibly close series, but I just, I don't like Hainsey playing that many minutes for you guys and Saitsev and those, those guys in your top four. I don't, I honestly, I hope fucking, I hope the Leafs could solve Pasternak. Like, he's killed us. Yeah. He has killed us this year. Like, I don't even know how many goals he scored against the Leafs. But he's, he's killed us. And, uh, you know, he's going to – he, and that's just it. Okay, you stop him. You still got that little fucking Marshawn there. Look, Casey sort of looks like fucking Marshawn there with his <laughs> – uh, I know it's the big nose, nose, too. I know. French? What happened? Do you speak French? No, João. No, no French. <laughs> Kevin so, Toronto is now pretty well. Guys going for the Bruins and one guy going from the freaking Leafs. Well, well, I used to always go up to people when I played hockey and act like I was French and just go "Valez-vous, fuck you," but I mean, it didn't really get me far. <laughs> <laughs> but should he thank you well, for I'll joining leave it us? To the Bruins fan, has any last questions? I, I got nothing, man. I think we hit like a whole series right there. I think we got everything out, out of a Leafs guy that, that we could get. I, I can't wait to post this. We, we got to get this pod going now. Okay, now let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are you going to get all butthurt if the Leafs do advance and beat the Bruins? Will we do a recap of the <laughs> series? Do, do you want to? We can do a recap. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and we could just keep doing your podcast until the Leafs are either Stanley Cup champions or were, are eliminated. All right, so after round one, we don't have to talk to you again. <laughs> as long as the Bruins or the Leafs are in it. Yeah, and I can, I can update you guys on uh, Hank's golf score. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Shadis, thank you for joining us. Uh, everyone go follow this man right now. Laugh your balls off every do like I do watching his videos on Instagram. O underscore C-H- O-U-R-I-C-O. Go laugh. Appa. You, you have any last words for me? Oh, guys, thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast, eh? So uh, good luck uh, to the Bruins. And 
good luck to the Rangers. Maybe uh, they'll make the playoffs uh, next year, but yeah, we'll see. Go Leafs go. Let me hear you guys say it. Come on, go Leafs go. I, I think this interview's over. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry cutting it out. Oh, okay, wait, wait. Let's make a little bad. A little bad. Okay. All right. All right. Leafs win. Put on some Leafs swag. Go Leafs go. Go Leafs go. If that happens, I, I will oblige with the go Leafs go. Uh, what... win, I'll get a little swag right. and I'll sing the fucking national anthem Renee style. If you sing it Renee style, we're putting that fucker up on the Facebook page. Uh, well, one other thing too, we, uh, me, Benny, and a couple of our other buddies decided we were gonna uh, go to every rink in the NHL at one point. When we make it up to Toronto, we go for some beers or what? Absolutely, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. Love it. Yeah, you guys love the Canadian beer. <laughs> we heard it's not cheap up there, though. No, no, it's uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's pricey. But, but it's like moonshine. So. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you guys so much, eh? Appreciate it, Shadice. Thank you. All Good right. luck, guys. Take care, man. Yet again, thank you to Oshidiso for taking the time with us. O underscore C-H-O-U-R-I-C-O. That big, handsome Portuguese guy. I hope the Bruins win, Benny. I really want to see him sing the National Anthem Renee style. That's just phenomenal for me. Maybe, uh, I know he just wanted us to put on Leaf swag and go, go Leafs go. But I might have to do it in, like, Singo Canada to, you know, come back and the same National Anthem type deal. And you might have to have, what, like a, a PBR in his honor or a Molson? Yeah, I might have to have a Molson. But, I mean, I must say, too, big handsome prick, handsome fella. <laughs> it's the beard. I think that helps all of us. Yeah, I think we're all biased by the beard. Uh, also, for everyone listening, if you haven't already, uh, on our Facebook page, we posted a link. It's pinned at the top of our wall uh, where you can enter the – 2019 NHL playoff bracket challenge. You can join our league, which is private. Uh, make your picks and you can see how you stack up against uh, other followers of this podcast, as well as Kevin and I. We've submitted our uh, brackets as well. The winner of the bracket challenge in our league will get a free 2, 5, and 10 uh, t shirt that they can wear loud and proud. Uh, the winner, though, and you can invite as many of your friends as you want to join a uh, bracket challenge as well. Just make sure that they like our Facebook page. And if they have iTunes or they have an iPhone, make sure they subscribe to our iTunes uh, channel as well. Yeah, you got to subscribe or you're out. Doesn't matter. Yep. No T-shirt for you. <laughs> and don't worry. If Kevin or I finish first, we're not going to take the T-shirt. We'll give it to whoever finished second. Oh, no, I'm taking the T-shirt. You ain't got any. <laughs> Um, so just to wrap up this week, yeah, I have a shootout. I kind of went into it a little bit with you before we started recording, but do you have anything this week? Yeah, just real quick. Uh, it's a quick shootout to me. I go on social media a lot to kind of a check what's going around the NHL. So we're able to post it on the page, but B just more for us, like kind of just see what's going on so we can put shit out there. The other stuff I'm seeing in the meantime of the fakeness of people and the comments and stuff. And then mental health is not a joke anymore. We all know that where 
you know, in the past that may have been overlooked. I'm seeing people put out there about this is what gives me anxiety and this, that, the other thing. It's like, but people must be extremely vulnerable and or looking for attention because if that's what gives you anxiety, why would you give other people ammo for to to like go after yeah. you? So to me, it's like it, it's just been a complete joke. So I just try to legitimately surf the net and find stuff for us, put it up there and be in and be out because it's become a cesspool. It, it, it's kind of disgusting. The fakeness, the the screams for help. And, and, and that's the tough thing, too, where you don't know if someone's actually screaming for help or if they just want attention. And yeah. it's so difficult. And for me, I'm just trying to take like two steps back and, you know, just not even acknowledge certain things. That's all with me. But fire away with yours. Yeah. Just a comment on that. Like it's time to grow up. You know what I mean? Like if you're going on social media to post about like I love these comments from people that are like our age and they just post a status saying and you know who you are. Like, bitch, you did that when you were in, like, junior high or high school on your aim away message. Like, enough. Yeah, right? it's too much and, now. <laughs> and it's like being in to be like, oh, this makes me anxious. It's kind of like the when we were in college, it was, like, cool to say you had OCD. Meanwhile, real people had OCD were like, fuck you. You don't know what it's like. So I get what you're saying with that. If I didn't have – if we didn't have our page on Facebook that we posted update, we post updates to and – uh, things like that are probably deactivate my Facebook. I barely use it anymore. I don't care about keeping in touch with the people that are on there. The people I want to keep in touch with, I talk to with my phone. So I don't really need Facebook to do that. So, um, yeah, social media outside of the gram. I love the gram, but outside of that, I'm pretty much over it at this point. I'm with you a hundred, bro. <laughs> uh, my shootout this week, non-hockey related. The city of San Francisco, now, if you listen to this podcast over the course of this regular season, you would think that I despise the city, which sometimes is true. It's actually, I like the outdoors out here, the city, when you have like a bird's eye view of the city, it's beautiful, the beaches, everything else. But this city taxes you out of the ass, finds any way to nickel and dime, any trying to get anything done with the city takes months and months and months and months. But on top of that, the cost of living is expounded by the parking fines. And when I first moved here, I got tickets for things I didn't even know existed. Parking grades. Uh, they have like nine, nine different colored curbs in this city that don't have meanings whatsoever, but you'll get a ticket for parking there. And after the fact is when you'll know you did something wrong. I think I've paid almost $1,000, including late fees, because that's my level of protest to the city in terms of parking fines since 2016. Uh, I haven't had a parking ticket in about a year now until today, where outside of my own apartment, I got a parking ticket for $70 because I was parked in a slight decline and I had my wheels turned, but I had them turned the wrong way. So there had to be one of those dingy parking enforcement like golf carts driving up and down the streets which i'm not in downtown i'm like 20 minutes away from downtown driving up and down these streets looking for a reason to give out a ticket because why not fuck up somebody's day by giving a parking ticket for literally nothing that's going wrong that can inflict pain or damage on anybody else that's around the car and just even bleed more people drive their hard-earned money 
So $70 ticket because I was parked outside of my apartment with my wheels turned to the left instead of to the right. So when it comes to things like that, I will not miss this city when I'm gone. Fuck off, San Francisco. Yeah, fuck you, San Francisco. Bunch of fat-smelling hippies. <laughs> but I heard it's really nice out there. So, If you visit... If you want to visit before I go, I'll, I'll show you around. But living here, like you just notice all these things that make it unbearable. But you know, it's all never mind. I'll leave. I was going to say something. I'll leave. Shout out! Shout out to you. Yeah, got. I'll leave the politics <laughs> out of it. <laughs> Who do you got for shout outs this week? Uh, shout outs, first lady, of course, as always. I uh, thank you for everything you do, including supporting the podcast. I, uh, you know, it's. The calendar's turned to April, obviously, so we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here of our last few months in San Francisco, um, so trying to enjoy our time while we can. Uh, other shout-outs this week, I want to give a shout-out to old Mama Dukes, who, after I had to walk her through how to click on a podcast link to listen to, she listens to it pretty much every week, almost as soon as it's released. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to her because... Last year, she had double hip replacement surgery after years of hip problems, and she hit her milestone goal of getting down to 115 pounds. So giving a big shout-out to Mama Dukes for all the work she did with that. I haven't seen 115 on the scale since, like, eighth grade, maybe. I, dude, I wait. Once I got that text, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go away myself, and I wish I didn't because now I fucking hate myself. Yeah, don't post that publicly. Don't do it. <laughs> I want to post that and tag you in it. <laughs> yeah, don't my have weight to... gives me so much anxiety. Yeah, that, I don't even want to talk about mine because you know, <laughs> I feel you, girl. Um, <laughs> shoutouts this week, like you said, significant other, Big Red, as always. Thank you, apple of my eye, the you know, just the key to my heart, all the above. Uh, big shout out this week to the new Mister and Mrs. Christopher Dowd. We went to their wedding on Saturday night and had a really good time. So thank you. We appreciate that. Um, another thing, Benny, I know how you're coming to town next year for a Bruins game, but we might be going to New York for a game too, depending on how it falls on the calendar. So if we have a a, a weekend game in Manhattan, I'll see you there. Well, gladly, and I will glad I will gladly host. You and uh, Redder, she wants to come down as well. Maybe this summer is the summer that the Rangers will get Nigel Dawes out of retirement. God, I hope so. I hope so. I, I really want to wear one of those long uh, long hats again. And we can bring uh, uh, Jay down. He can try and buy uh, those free mixtapes from Times Square that he do it for free. It's a donation. It's a donation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Um, so currently, format-wise for us, we plan on still going every Sunday or Monday, at least through the first round. I know there's going to be a lot of stuff going on, kind of updates on series, so on and so forth. Once as the second round hits, depending on start dates and things like that, we'll probably still go weekly, and it'll probably be a lot easier to intake because there won't be as many series going on. But regardless, everybody, stick with us. Two, five, and ten. We're trying. We're both working full-time jobs. I'm not a rich millionaire like another podcast you might listen to. This isn't my only focus. I don't have a rich nanny. I am the nanny. I'm the manny. That's it, baby. What you got, Benny? I, I don't think I can add anything else to that except for 
just wait till this summer and see what's in store. Can't wait. Can't wait. Bart Scott. We'll catch y'all next week. I got the horses in the back, horse like it.